chapter eight part one of the theory of psychoanalysis by carl gustav jung this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight part one the etiology of the neuroses with this conception of freud's we have to return to the question of the etiology of the neuroses we have seen that the psychoanalytic theory began with a traumatic event in childhood which was only later on found to be a fantasy at least in many cases in consequence the theory became modified and tried to find in the development of abnormal fantasy the main etiological significance the investigation of the unconscious made by the collaboration of many workers carried on over a space of ten years provided an extensive empirical material which demonstrated that the incest complex was the beginning of the morbid fantasies but it was no longer thought that the incest complex was a special complex of neurotic people it was demonstrated to be a constituent of a normal infantile psyche too we cannot tell by its mere existence if this complex will give rise to a neurosis or not to become pathogenic it must give rise to a conflict that is the complex which in itself is harmless has to become dynamic and thus give rise to a conflict herewith we come to a new and important question the whole etiological problem is altered if the infantile root complex is only a general form which is not pathogenic in itself and requires as we saw in our previous exposition to be subsequently set in action under these circumstances we dig in vain among the reminiscences of earliest childhood as they give us only the general forms of the later conflicts but not the conflict itself i believe the best thing i can do is to describe the further development of the theory by demonstrating the case of that young lady whose story you have heard in part in one of the former lectures you will probably remember that the shying of the horses by means of the anamnestic explanation brought back the reminiscence of a comparable scene in childhood we here discussed the trauma theory we found that we had to look for the real pathological element in the exaggerated fantasy which took its origin in a certain retardation of the psychic sexual development we have now to apply our theoretical standpoint to the origin of this particular type of illness so that we may understand how just at that moment this event of her childhood which seemed to be of such potency could come to constellation the simplest way to come to an understanding of this important event would be by making an exact inquiry into the circumstances of the moment the first thing i did was to question the patient about the society in which he had been at that time and as to what was the farewell gathering to which she had been just before she had been at a farewell supper given in honour of her best friend who was going to a foreign health resort for a nervous illness we hear that this friend is happily married and is the mother of one child we have some right to doubt this assertion of her happiness if she were really happily married she probably would not be nervous and would not need a cure when i put my question differently i learned that my patient had been brought back into the host's house as soon as she was overtaken by her friends as this house was the nearest place to bring her to in safety in her exhausted condition she received his hospitality as the patient came to this part of her history she suddenly broke off 
was embarrassed fidgeted and tried to turn to another subject evidently we had now come upon some disagreeable reminiscences which suddenly presented themselves after the patient had overcome obstinate resistances it was admitted that something very remarkable had happened that night the host made her a passionate declaration of love thus giving rise to a situation that might well be considered difficult and painful considering the absence of the hostess ostensibly this declaration came like a flash of lightning from a clear sky a small dose of criticism applied to this assertion will teach us that these things never drop from the clouds but have always their previous history it was the work of the following weeks to dig out piecemeal a whole long love story i can thus roughly describe the picture i got at finally as a child the patient was thoroughly boyish loved only turbulent games for boys laughed at her own sex and flung aside all feminine ways and occupations after puberty the time when the sex question should have come nearer to her she began to shun all society she hated and despised as it were everything which could remind her even remotely of the biological destination of mankind and lived in a world of fantasies which had nothing in common with the rude reality so she escaped up to her twenty-fourth year all the little adventures hopes and expectations which ordinarily move a woman of this age in this respect women are very often remarkably insincere towards themselves and towards the physician but she became acquainted with two men who were destined to destroy the thorny hedge which had grown all around her mr a was the husband of her best friend at the time mr b was the bachelor friend of this family both were to her taste it seemed to her pretty soon that mr b was much more sympathetic to her and from this resulted a more intimate relationship between herself and him and the possibility of an engagement was discussed through her relations with mr b and through her friend she met mr a frequently in an inexplicable way his presence very often excited her and made her nervous just at this time our friend went to a big party all her friends were there she became lost in thought and played as in a dream with her ring which suddenly slipped from her hand and rolled under the table both men tried to find it and mr b managed to get it with an expressive smile he put the ring back on her finger and said you know what this means at that moment a strange and irresistible feeling came over her she tore the ring from her finger and threw it out of the open window evidently a painful moment ensued and she soon left the company feeling deeply depressed a short time later she found herself for her holidays accidentally in the same health resort where mr a and his wife were staying mrs a now became more and more nervous and as she felt ill had to stay frequently at home the patient often went out with mr a alone one day they were out in a small boat she was boisterously merry and suddenly fell overboard mr a saved her with great difficulty and lifted her half unconscious into the boat he then kissed her with this romantic event the bonds were woven fast to defend herself our patient tried energetically to get herself engaged to mr b and to imagine that she loved him of course this queer play did not escape the sharp eye a feminine jealousy mrs a her friend felt the secret was worried by it and her nervousness grew proportionately it became more and more necessary for her to go to a foreign health resort the farewell party was a dangerous opportunity the patient knew that her friend and rival was going off the same evening so mr a would be alone 
certainly she did not see this opportunity clearly as women have the notable capacity to think purely emotionally and not intellectually for this reason it seems to them as if they never thought about certain matters at all but as a matter of fact she had a queer feeling all the evening she felt extremely nervous and when mrs a had been accompanied to the station and had gone the hysterical attack occurred on her way back i asked her of what she had been thinking or what she felt at the actual moment when the trotting horses came along her answer was she had only a frightful feeling the feeling that something dreadful was very near to her which she could not escape as you know the consequence was that the exhausted patient was brought back into the house of the host mr a a simple human mind would understand the situation without difficulty an uninitiated person would say well that is clear enough she only intended to return by one way or another to mr a's house but the psychologist would have reproached this layman for his incorrect way of expressing himself and would tell him that the patient was not conscious of the motives of her behaviour and that it was therefore not permissible to speak of the patient's intention to return to mr a's house there are of course learned psychologists who are capable of furnishing many theoretical reasons for disputing the meaning of this behaviour they base their reasons on the dogma of the identity of consciousness and psyche the psychology inaugurated by freud recognized long ago that it is impossible to estimate psychological actions as to their final meaning by conscious motives but that the objective standard of their psychological results has to be applied for their right evaluation nowadays it cannot be contested any longer that there are unconscious tendencies to which have a great influence on our modes of reaction and on the effects to which these in turn give rise what happened in mr a s house bears out this observation our patient made a sentimental scene and mr a was induced to answer it with a declaration of love looked at in the light of this last event the whole previous history seems to be very ingeniously directed towards just this end but throughout the conscience of the patient struggled consciously against it our theoretical profit from this story is the clear perception that an unconscious purpose or tendency has brought on to the stage the scene of the fright from the horses utilizing thus very possibly that infantile reminiscence where the shying horses gallop towards the catastrophe we reviewing the whole material the scene with the horses the starting point of the illness seems now to be the keystone of a planned edifice the fright and the apparent traumatic effect of the event in childhood are only brought on the stage in the peculiar way characteristic of hysteria but what is thus put on the stage has become almost a reality we know from hundreds of experiences that certain hysterical pains are only put on the stage in order to reap certain advantages from the sufferer's surroundings the patients not only believe that they suffer but their sufferings are from a psychological standpoint as real as those due to organic causes nevertheless they are but stage effects the regression of libido this utilization of reminiscences to put on the stage any illness or an apparent etiology is called a regression of the libido the libido goes back to reminiscences and makes them actual so that an apparent etiology is produced in this case by the old theory the fright from the horses would seem to be based on a former shock the resemblance between the two scenes is unmistakable and in both cases the patient's fright is absolutely real at any rate we have no reason to doubt her assertions in this respect 
as they are in full harmony with all other experiences the nervous asthma the hysterical anxiety the psychogenic depressions and exaltations the pains the convulsions they are all very real and that physician who has himself suffered from a psychogenic symptom knows that it feels absolutely real regressively relived reminiscences even if they were but fantasies are as real as remembrances of events that have once been real as the term regression of libido shows we understand by this retrograde mode of application of the libido a retreat of the libido to former stages in our example we are able to recognize clearly the way the process of regression is carried on at that farewell party which proved a good opportunity to be alone with the host the patient shrank from the idea of turning this opportunity to her advantage and yet was overpowered by her desires which she had never consciously realized up to that moment the libido was not used consciously for that definite purpose nor was this purpose ever acknowledged the libido had to carry it out through the unconscious and through the pretext of the fright caused by an apparently terrible danger her feeling at the moment when the horses approached illustrates our formula most clearly she felt as if something inevitable had now to happen the process of regression is beautifully demonstrated in an illustration already used by freud the libido can be compared with a stream which is dammed up as soon as its course meets any impediment whence arises an inundation if this stream has previously in its upper reaches ex excavated other channels then these channels will be filled up again by reason of the damming below to a certain extent they would appear to be real river beds filled with water as before but at the same time they only have a temporary existence it is not that the stream has permanently chosen the old channels but only for as long as the impediment endures in the main stream the affluents do not always carry water because they were from the first as it were not independent streams but only former stages of development of the main river or passing possibilities to which an inundation has given the opportunity for fresh existence this illustration can directly be transferred to the development of the application of the libido the definite direction the main river is not yet found during the childish development of sexuality the libido goes instead into all possible bypaths and only gradually does the definite form develop but the more the stream follows out its main channel the more the affluents will dry up and lose their importance leaving only traces of former activity similarly the importance of the childish precursors of sexuality disappears completely as a rule only leaving behind certain traces if in later life an impediment arises so that the damming of the libido reanimates the old bypaths the condition thus excited is properly a new one and something abnormal the former condition of the child is normal usage of the libido whilst the return of the libido towards the childish past is something abnormal therefore in my opinion it is an erroneous terminology to call the infantile sexual manifestations perversions for it is not permissible to give normal manifestations pathological terms this erroneous usage seems to be responsible for the confusion of the scientific public the terms employed in neurotic psychology have been misapplied here under the assumption that the abnormal bypaths of the libido discovered in neurotic people are the same phenomena as are to be found in children the infantile amnesia criticized the so-called amnesia of childhood which plays an important part 
in the three contributions is a similar illegitimate retrograde application from pathology amnesia is a pathological condition consisting in the repression of certain contents of the conscious this condition cannot possibly be the same as the antigrade amnesia of children which consists in an incapacity for intentional reproduction a condition we find also among savages this incapacity for reproduction dates from birth and can be understood on obvious anatomical and biological grounds it would be a strange hypothesis were we willing to regard this totally different quality of early infantile consciousness as one to be attributed to repression in analogy with the condition in neurosis the amnesia of neurosis is punched out as it were from the continuity of memory but the remembrances of earlier childhood exist in separate islands in the continuity of the non-memory this condition is the opposite in every sense of the condition of neurosis so that the expression amnesia generally used for this condition is incorrect the amnesia of childhood is a conclusion a posteriori from the psychology of neurosis just as is the polymorphic perverse disposition of the child the latent sexual period criticized this era in the theoretical conception is shown clearly in the so-called latent sexual period of childhood freud has remarked that the early infantile so-called sexual manifestations which are now called the phenomena of the pre-sexual stage vanish after a while and only reappear much later everything that freud has termed the suckling's masturbation that is to say all those sexual-like actions of which we spoke before are said to return later as real onanism such a process of development would be biologically unique in conformity with this theory one would have to say for instance that when a plant forms a bud from which a blossom begins to unfold the blossom is taken back again before it is fully developed and is again hidden within the bud to reappear later on in the same form this impossible supposition is a consequence of the assertion that the early infantile activities of the pre-sexual stage are sexual phenomena and that those manifestations which resemble masturbation are genuinely acts of masturbation in this way freud had to assert that there is a disappearance of sexuality or as he calls it a latent sexual period what he calls a disappearance of sexuality is nothing but the real beginning of sexuality everything preceding was but the fourth stage to which no real sexual character can be imputed in this way the impossible phenomenon of the latent period is very simply explained this theory of the latent sexual period is a striking instance of the incorrectness of the conception of the early infantile sexuality but there has been no error of observation on the contrary the hypothesis of the latent sexual period proves how exactly freud noticed the apparent recommencement of sexuality the error lies in the conception as we saw before the first mistake consists in a somewhat old-fashioned conception of the multiplicity of instincts if we accept the idea of two or more instincts existing side by side we must naturally conclude that if one instinct has not yet become manifest it is present in noose in accordance with the theory of pre-formation in the physical sphere we should perhaps have to say that when a piece of iron passes from the condition of heat to the condition of light the light was already existent in noose latent in the heat such assumptions are arbitrary projections of human ideas into transcendental regions contravening the prescription of the theory of cognition 
we have thus no right to speak of a sexual instinct existing in nous as we then give an arbitrary explanation of phenomena which can be explained otherwise and in a more adequate manner we can speak of the manifestations of a nutrition instinct of the manifestation of a sectional instinct etc but we have only the right to do so when the function has quite clearly reached the surface we only speak of light when the iron is visibly luminous but not when the iron is merely hot freud as an observer sees clearly that the sexuality of neurotic people is not entirely comparable with infantile sexuality for there is a great difference for instance between the uncleanliness of a child of two years old and the uncleanliness of a catatonic patient of forty the former is a psychological and normal phenomenon the latter is extraordinarily pathological freud inserted a short passage in his three contributions saying that the infantile form of neurotic sexuality is either wholly or at any rate partly due to a regression that is even in those cases where we might say these are still the same bypaths we find that the function of the bypaths is still increased by regression freud thus recognizes that the infantile sexuality of neurotic people is for the greater part a regressive phenomenon that this must be so is also shown through the further insight obtained from the investigations of recent years that the observations concerning the psychology of the childhood of neurotic people hold equally good for normal people at any rate we can say that the history of the development of infantile sexuality in persons with neurosis differs but by a hair's breadth from that of normal beings who have escaped the attention of the expert appraiser striking differences are exceptional further remarks on the etiology of neurosis the more we penetrate into the heart of infantile development the more we receive the impression that as little can be found there of etiological significance as in the infantile shock even with the acutest ferreting into history we shall never discover why people living on german soil had just such a fate and why the gauls another the further we get away in analytical investigations from the epoch of the manifest neurosis the less can we expect to find the real motive of the neurosis since the dynamic disproportions grow fainter and fainter the further we go back into the past in constructing our theory so as to deduce the neurosis from causes in the distant past we are first and foremost obeying the impulse of our patients to withdraw themselves as far as possible from the critical present the pathogenic conflict exists only in the present moment it is just as if a nation wanted to regard its miserable political conditions at the actual moment as due to the past as if the germany of the nineteenth century had attributed its political dismemberment and incapacity to its suppression by the romans instead of having sought the actual sources of her difficulties in the present only in the actual present are the effective causes and only here are the possibilities of removing them the etiological significance of the actual present a greater part of the psychoanalytic school is under the spell of the conception that the conflicts of childhood are conditio sine qua non for the neuroses it is not only the theorist who studies the psychology of childhood from scientific interest but the practical man also who believes that he has to turn the history of infancy inside out to find there the dynamic source of the actual neurosis it were a fruitless enterprise if done under this presumption in the meantime the most important factor escapes the analyst namely the conflict and the claims of the present time in the case before us we should not understand any of the motives 
which produced the hysterical attacks if we looked for them in earliest childhood it is the form alone which those reminiscences determine to a large extent but the dynamic originates from the present time the insight into the actual meaning of these motives is real understanding we can now understand why that moment was pathogenic as well as why it chose those particular symbols through the conception of regression the theory is freed from the narrow formula of the importance of the events in childhood and the actual conflict thus gets that significance which from an empirical standpoint belongs to it implicitly freud himself introduced the conception of regression in his three contributions acknowledging rightly that our observations do not permit us to seek the cause of neurosis exclusively in the past if it is true then that reminiscent matter becomes active again as a rule by regression we have to consider the following question have perhaps the apparent effective results of reminiscences to be referred in general to a regression of the libido as i said before freud suggested in his three contributions that the infantilism of neurotic sexuality was for the greater part due to the regression of the libido this statement deserves greater prominence than it there received freud did give it this prominence in his later works to a somewhat greater extent the recognition of the regression of the libido very largely reduces the etiological significance of the events of childhood it has already seemed to us rather astonishing that the oedipus or the electrocomplex should have a determining value in regard to the onset of a neurosis since these complexes exist in every one they exist even with those persons who have never known their own father and mother but have been educated by their step-parents i have analyzed cases of this kind and found that the incest complex was as well developed as in other patients it seems to us that this is good proof that the incest complex is much more a purely regressive production of fantasies than a reality from this standpoint the events in childhood are only significant for the neuroses in so far as they are revived later through a regression of the libido that this must be true to a great extent is also shown by the fact that the infantile sexual shock never causes hysteria nor does the incest complex which is common to every one the neurosis only begins as soon as the incest complex becomes actuated by regression so we come to the question why does the libido make a regression to answer it we must study carefully under what circumstances regression arises in treating this problem with my patients i generally give the following example while a mountain climber is attempting the ascent of a certain peak he happens to meet with an insurmountable obstacle let us say some precipitous rocky wall which cannot be surmounted after having vainly sought for another path he will have to return and regretfully abandon the climbing of that peak he will say to himself it is not in my power to surmount this difficulty so i will climb another easier mountain in this case we find there is a normal utilization of the libido the man returns when he finds an insurmountable difficulty and uses his libido which could not attain its original aim for the ascent of another mountain now let us imagine that this rocky wall was not really unclimbable so far as his physique was concerned but that from mere nervousness he withdrew from this somewhat difficult enterprise in this case there are two possibilities one the man will be annoyed by his own cowardice and will wish to prove himself less timid on another occasion or perhaps will even admit that with his timidity he ought never to undertake such a difficult ascent at any rate he will acknowledge 
that he has not sufficient moral capacity for these difficulties he therefore uses that libido which did not attain its original aim for a useful self-criticism and for sketching a plan by which he may be able with due regard to his moral capacity to realize his wish to climb two the possibility is that the man does not realize his own cowardice and declares offhand that this mountain is physically unattainable although he is quite able to see that with sufficient courage the obstacle could have been overcome but he prefers to deceive himself thus the psychological situation which is of importance for our problem is created End of chapter eight part one